I am Andrew White, and thank you for tuning in to U.S. Army Corps of Engineers podcast, Building Careers. The purpose of this podcast is to shed some light on the finer details of the federal hiring process, as well as diving into the different career opportunities within the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Building Careers podcast is made possible by your U.S. service members whose bravery and sacrifice allows you to listen to this and other great podcasts wherever, whenever, and however you want. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite platforms to include YouTube, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts so you'll be notified when each episode is published. Feel free to send me questions and comments at andrew.e dot white at u s a c e dot army dot mil without further ado here is building careers welcome to another edition of building your career with United States Army Corps of Engineers. I am your host, Andrew White. Today, joining me on the show, we have Elizabeth Maxwell. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Elizabeth, if you could, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and um, what you do with the CPAC and the Corps of Engineers. Sure. My name is, um, once again, Elizabeth Maxwell. I work in the Southwestern Division CPAC office. I have been working in this office since 2010, and I have had um, a couple of different jobs in our office. I initially started out on the management and employee relations team before moving over to the staffing team in 2014, and I've serviced a couple of the different districts to include Little Rock, Tulsa, and also Fort Worth since 2017. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, through all that experience, you have seen plenty of different styles of applicants come in in all kinds of different shapes and flavors. Today, one of the things we wanted to talk to you about was our military and veterans looking to either make the transition from their military service, possibly are already veterans or National Guard reservists that'd be interested in federal employment. What kind of things uh, do they need to know? Yes, sir. That's a good question. Um, there are a lot of hiring flexibilities for veterans um, to include veterans who have already separated from um, the service and those who will also be separating in the future. That applies to competitive appointments and then there are also non-competitive competitive hiring authorities um, available to veterans and it is designed in order to give veterans some preference um, through the hiring process for federal employment. So um, there, are, like I said, there's a couple of different ways and I'd like to go over those with you today. Specifically regarding the different types of competitive announcements, that's what I'd like to start with. Sure. There are um, what we refer to as internal merit promotion announcements and then we also have external announcements that are open to all U.S. citizens. Um, for those external announcements to, that are open to all U.S. citizens, 
veteran's preference does apply, meaning that if you are a veteran, then um, you would have some preference when applying and when management is considering candidates who were referred for consideration. There are requirements that will be listed on the vacancy announcements, so I want to make sure that um, we point our attention towards that. You will first want to look at the um, applicant checklist. There's a link on every announcement, um, whether or not, whether it's internal or external. For the internal announcement, it's, it addresses who may apply and what the eligibility requirements are. And part of that is also expanding on the um, proof of eligibility and the documents you have to provide. And then for the external announcements, there is what I referred to as the applicant checklist, which identifies the different types of um, veterans' preferences you may be eligible for to include five-point veterans preference and ten points. Specifically on the checklist, it will identify what is required if you have already separated from service or if you are um, going to separate within the next 120 days. And then also for those of you who may be um, future military retirees. Um, specifically for the five-point veterans, You'll always need to provide a copy of your DD-214. The member four copy is preferable, and uh, we need to be able to verify your character of service to um, include that it was honorable or general um, separation. And then um, for the 10-point veterans preference, that includes veterans who are disabled or may have some form of derived veteran's preference um, based on being a spouse or a widow or widower of the veteran. So there's specific documentation that is annotated on that proof of eligibility checklist and the, um, the external applicant checklist that you'll want to check out to make sure that you're providing the required documentation when you do submit your application. No, that's great. Uh, that's definitely good stuff to know. Um, is there a disability rating that they must achieve in order to receive the 10-point preference or no? There is. There's a couple of different types of preference based on disabilities. You have to have at least a 10% rating Okay. Um, in order to receive a service-connected disability veterans preference. So when these veterans are getting ready to uh, discharge out of the military, whether it's through either retirement, ETS, or they've just, you know, decided they're going to separate from the military, they provide their DD-214, you know, honorable or general um, status is what they need. Um, is there any other type of information? Like if you're an enlistee, uh, versus an officer, is there, you know, making sure that they are competitive for the category, like getting credit for your military service, your MOS, as we say in the military, uh, to qualify for different jobs? How does that work? Well, we will be able to verify whether you were enlisted or an officer based on the DD-214 you provide. 
There are certain rules for military retirees who are officers. Military retirees at the rank of major, lieutenant commander, or higher are not eligible for veterans preference and appointment unless they are disabled veterans. So if you are a military retiree and have one of those ranks or higher, then you would have to be a disabled veteran and be able to provide a copy of your VA letter with your application in order to receive veterans preference. Um, and that would be considered a 10 point preference rating. Right. Um, and so for any of the veterans who are disabled veterans, please also provide a copy of your VA letter um, from the Veterans Affairs Office that shows your overall service-connected <coughs> disability rating. We don't need a copy that shows a breakdown of um, what your disability rating is based off of. All we are looking for is the overall percentage. Gotcha. Uh, what about those going for SES positions? Veterans preference applies to permanent and temporary positions in the competitive and accepted service of the executive branch. It does not apply to positions in the senior executive service or to executive branch positions for which the Senate confirmation is required. A lot of announcements say a degree or equivalent experience. Does military experience directly translate to anything like that? Military experience can be creditable towards specialized experience. What we would do is we, as the HR specialists, would be um, making qualifications determinations based on the information in the announcement. So in addition to providing required documentation for your veteran's preference, we always encourage you to read the qualifications section of the announcement. Like you said, sometimes it does specify that you can qualify based on education or experience or a combination of both. Some positions, if they have individual occupational requirements, they will require, for instance, a degree and experience. But specifically, when we're talking about experience for veterans, we can look at the specialized experience from the announcement and determine if the experience that's in the veteran's resume is equivalent um, to what is required. So we're not necessarily looking at, you know, what grade or rank you held when you were in the military service. We're looking at the experience and the duties you performed um, and the time frame that you performed those duties in order to determine if they are equivalent. Great answer on that. Um, I guess if I could use an example for those listening, like we are the Corps of Engineers. If you were like a combat engineer or CB, perhaps if you were a project manager or a team lead on one of those things, that could potentially, you know, be the equivalent of experience, correct? It could potentially be equivalent. Um, it will all be based on what you include in your resume. So... Um, for federal positions, more experience described in your resume, the better. It gives the HR specialist more information to review, to make a determination. Right. And we always recommend, like I said, reviewing the qualification section of the announcement to determine what is required. And it's a good idea to tailor your resume for each position that you are applying to 
to ensure that you are adequately addressing the experience that you have that um, relates to the position that's being filled. That is a great point, you know, and that's something that I think a lot of our veteran listeners need to know this. You know, I know you all understand this, but it's not, they're not always fortunate enough to have, you know, folks that understand all different things. So it is important to tailor them because when you say you're a platoon leader or a battalion sergeant major or company commander, you've got to sometimes tailor it more towards the language and the resume than no, you know, because you can't always assume somebody understands what a company commander is or a battalion sergeant major or things of that nature. Would you agree? I would definitely agree with that. Um, we are not really looking at, you know, the titles that applicants have held on their resumes. We are really looking at the duties that mm-hmm. you described for that period of employment to determine if it's equivalent specialized experience. Now, I have a question, and hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot in this, that I hear all the time from veterans, especially senior enlisted or officer ranks is they say, okay, I held the rank of major or I held the rank of sergeant major. What is that? And they say, how is that equivalent to a GS level or is there a GS level equivalent chart to know? Because there are some announcements that say, you know, you need to have held the equivalent of a GS9 for 52 weeks. You know, is there any type of rank slash chart that would possibly show that or how would that be determined or could that be determined? That actually does not come into consideration when we are reviewing applications um, from veterans. So I've already addressed how we credit your experience. You know, we're looking at the, the duties that you performed Um, If it's in a non-GS position, then we are determining whether or not it's equivalent based on what you did in that job. Sure. But then also, we have to consider time and grade for certain types of announcements. Time and grade does not apply to external announcements that are open to all U.S. citizens, but it does apply to our internal merit promotion announcements. And I know we haven't talked about the ways for veterans to apply to internal announcements yet. However, um, time and grade does apply in that instance. So it is our job to determine whether or not applicants have met time and grade. And for veterans, if you have not held a GS position within the last 52 weeks, then veterans preference will not apply. Um, So... Your question was regarding, you know, their ranks and everything like that okay. and whether or not there's a conversion per se for the, the position that they held in the military service. We are not considering that information. We are just looking to see if you have the experience, if it's credible, sure. and then if time and grade applies based on whether or not you've held a GS position within the last year. Uh, you kind of led into a great segue into the next conversation is internal. You're saying if you have held a position for 52 weeks, um, those things do uh, come into play and factor. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yes. So let's talk about a a little bit about our internal merit promotion announcements. Um, 
Veterans preference does not apply to our internal announcements. However, we have a, um, it's an eligibility, the Veterans Employment Opportunities Act, and we call it VOA. So for veterans who want to apply to internal announcements, you'll need to look at the announcement to see who it is open to. Um, that's just a general rule for internal announcements, just to make sure that the um, that you are included in the area of consideration and, th and that you provide the documentation that's required to support your eligibility. Um, on most of our internal announcements that are permanent, VOAs are able to apply, and that means that you either have um, five-point preference or ten-point preference based on your DD-214 and or VA letter, or you have served for three continuous years in the military service. So you don't even necessarily have to be a five-point eligible or a ten-point eligible. You could just be eligible based on having three years of service, um, and that would grant you the authority to be able to apply to the announcements, um, but then management will be able to make a selection from whatever eligibility they want to on the referral list. Um, so really it's just getting your name to the hiring official as a potential candidate for filling the position, whereas on external announcements, um, when we have veterans who are referred, management would have to select a veteran over a qualified non-veteran. So the rules there are a little bit different, um, but like I said, for our, our internal announcements, time and grade does apply, but if you are a VOA candidate and, not, and have not held a GS position within the last 52 weeks, then that, um, that little check mark, if you will, from our, our HR checklist is not applicable. Gotcha, gotcha. Now that, that makes sense. And just for clarification, when you're talking about internal, you're talking about internal to the agency, not just internal to federal government, correct? Um, internal can mean a variety of things, um, depending on the agency that you are applying for. Right now, for Army, we have seven um, categories that have to be listed on all of our permanent um announcements that we put out there and VOAs are one that are included and those are army roles so it depends on what agency you're trying to work for um, on how the area of consideration is set up gotcha gotcha no no that, that's great information um i appreciate it is there any other information that our veterans should know that would be you know beneficial for them while they're considering federal employment uh as an option for themselves well, I would definitely encourage them to look at all the announcements that are posted to USA Jobs um, and just know that you have the eligibility to apply on the internal announcements that include VOA in the area of consideration. And then definitely for those external announcements um, where everyone can apply, you have preference over qualified non-veterans. Um, so that is definitely an advantage. And then there's also some non-competitive hiring authorities. One of them, one of the most popular ones is the VRA, mm -hmm. the Veterans Recruitment Appointment 
authority. And this is a special authority for agencies to allow them to appoint eligible veterans without competition to positions at any grade level through the GS-11. So um, one good thing about this too is that the promotion potential of the position is not a factor. So we could hire you into a GS-9 position um, that has promotion potential to a grade that's beyond the 11 level and that would still be um, authorized to do. Right. And these types of authorities allow veterans, like I said, to be considered non-competitively as long as they meet the basic qualifications for the position. Um, and so management would have the option to hire individuals this way. There's also a hiring authority for veterans who are 30% or more disabled um, based on their overall service-connected disability rating from the Veterans Affairs. Okay. Um, and this allows veterans to be given a um, non-competitive temporary appointment or term appointment um, of more than 60 days. And for this type of authority, there's no grade level limitation. Um, like for the VRA, you know, it was, you have to be hired initially at the GS-11 or below. Well, for the 30% or more, there's no grade level limitation. And then whenever management is ready to convert the candidate to permanent, they are able to do so at any time during the employee's temporary or term appointment. Excellent. All right. Is a veteran preference the highest level of preference? Um, veterans preference I've been referring to as five point and ten point preference. Um, those are the the ratings as defined by the Office of Personnel Management, which we refer to as OPM. Um, and then if like on our external announcements where veterans preference does apply and you know, the veterans would have to be selected over a qualified non-vet. Um, there may be a mix of different types of preference eligibles on a referral list that is given to management. For instance, there could be some five-point veterans or some ten-point veterans on the list. Um, but we, we tell management a vet is a vet is a vet. So in terms of hiring, um, once you have that preference and you're on the referral list, then management can select any of the veterans who are on there. However, the there are other advantages for having a higher preference level, a 10-point, um, and that would come into play like for things like reduction in force and things like that. Sure, so, sure. Um, there are other types of advantages, but for hiring management can select from any of the veterans who are on the referral list. I got you. You know, that, that, that is great to know. Uh, is there anything else that you could think of that the veteran community uh, should take into consideration while they're thinking about uh, federal employment? Yes, I would like to just touch briefly on the military buyback process. Oh, yes, that is great. Our, our office at the CPAC, we do not handle benefits. We have an Army Benefits Center we refer to as the ABC. Um, and veterans are able to coordinate with the ABC on potentially buying back t 
time from some of their service. Um, so I just wanted to put that phone number out there um, yes. and, and just raise a little bit of awareness that that is something that you can do. Um, so the, the telephone number for the Army Benefit Center Civilian, the ABC-C, is 877-276-9287. That is great. Elizabeth, first of all, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come out here and share literally a wealth of information for our veteran community and really anyone else out there interested in applying for federal benefits uh, or federal position. Uh, this has been really, really helpful. Uh, we really appreciate all that you and all the folks at CPAC do for us. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Don't forget, you can also catch Building Careers on your favorite social media platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Links to this information will be listed below. See you next time. Oh, 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 oh,